Um, today, we are in week four. Everybody say week four. Week four of the series, The Ripple Effect. And we are talking about priorities in our lives. And when we put them in the right order, we become healthy and we become effective individuals uh, for us and the people that we love, the people that we have influence in. Uh, I want to take just a second and welcome all of you here. I want to say hello to the folks who are in overflow. We're so glad you're here today. Um, but when we have these priorities in our life and we do them in, a, in, a, in order, we become effective, we become influential for God. So we're going to take a look at the priorities just really quick, uh, the ones that we're covering in this series, and they're going to be on the screen, and I want you to say them with me. What's, what's the very first priority uh, in the ripple effect? What's, what's the center priority? Jesus. Jesus be the center of it all. Now, we can do better than that. What's the first priority? Jesus. Great. If we don't get that one right, then we don't get there, any of them right. If once we get that center priority correct, it begins to influence and breathe life into the other priorities in our lives. And that's why we took a whole message just on that at the beginning to talk about it. Jesus sets the pace. He sets the intensity for the other priorities in our lives. When we get that right, uh, it affects everything. So then what's the next one? Family. Family. Everybody say family out loud. <laughs> you guys sound horrible this morning. Uh, I don't mean to offend anybody. Can I, family! Come on. Yeah, there's people that you love in your life. that They're your family. They're the second priority. Uh, notice how the second priority is family and not the church. God made the ch family before he made the church. Did you know that? He made the family first, so family comes second. Uh, what's the third one? Church. What's the fourth one? We're going to talk about that next week. Today we're going to focus on the church, we're talking about the priority of the church. Our goal, our, our whole thing about the Bridge Church is that we want to be a life-giving church. We want to breathe life, not only into one another, but into the people that we have influence in. We, we give life by giving Jesus Christ. We don't give life by giving great music on Sundays. Uh, we don't give life by preaching real clever messages just because we want to draw people. We give life by giving Jesus. Now, a lot of the things you see around the bridge are just the methods that we use at the bridge to be able to do that. And those methods have changed from year to year. Uh, we want to invite as many people as we can. We use methods to do that. But ultimately, in those methods, through and through, is breathing Jesus Christ. So we give life by giving Jesus Christ. If we're doing that right, then the people in our lives and the people that we have influence in are better. Does that make sense? If we're really giving Christ, then we become better, and every person that we touch, every person that we have influence in becomes better. And I want God to look at us and say, they've captured my heart for what the church is supposed to be. When God looks at us, when he looks at the bridge, specifically the bridge Goldsboro, I want him to say, they've got it right. They've captured my heart, and they're doing it right. Um, I saw some church signs recently. How many of you see... I have seen church signs. They kind of put some funny, clever things on the church signs. Um, I don't know if it's any indication about what they're doing inside, but I just wanted to read a few uh, of these to you. Maybe this, this first one was in the middle of a rough neighborhood, but the sign said, trust in God, but lock your car. <laughs> um, this next one was pretty blunt. Choose the bread of life or your toast. Read some you know, toast. This, was, uh, this one was in a church program. It said, uh, Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking at Calvary Memorial Church. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. <laughs> there should have been a comma or something in there to make that uh, little. This one was pretty straightforward. Um, maybe they didn't mean to be, uh, but the, the question was this on the church sign. Do you know what hell is? And then the next sentence said, come hear our preacher. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> Yeah, give that a minute. It's sinking in. This is one of my favorites. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> I think it's all about punctuation, you know. These were in a church program. Um, at the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. We don't have that kind of choir. We, we don't have a choir here at Princeton. They got a rocking choir. That's, that's not the same one. Uh, this one says, next Thursday, there's going to be tryouts for the choir. They need all the help they can get. <laughs> I'm assuming the choir director didn't put that in there. This evening at 7 p.m., there will be a hymn sing in the park across from the church. Bring a blanket and come prepared to sin. See, they left a G off at the end, you know. It's just... It's amazing how one letter can change the whole dynamic 
Come on, get your church face off for a minute. You guys are just... <laughs> it's a different kind of party altogether now, just with that one letter missing. <laughs> Got to be careful. Here's one a lot of us can relate to, especially today for Super Bowl Sunday. Being a Christian means not hating, and we know it makes football season hard. <laughs> so when God looks at our church, what, what does he see? Does, does he see a group of people that are running it for ourselves, or does he see a group of people that say, you've captured my heart? Does he see a group of people that say, they're working the, just the way I want them to? The way the Bible describes. Not my opinion, Pastor Jim's opinion. No, nobody's opinion. What does the Bible say about a thriving church? In Acts chapter 2, there's several things that we can see about what makes the church thrive and have the heart of Christ. One of them is they're growing. They're growing. Just flat out, they're growing numerically. The Bible says at this very first church that started in Acts chapter 2, it says that God added daily to those who were being saved. Did you know they were doing something to influence the community around them? They were, they were giving life by giving Jesus Christ, and God was bringing people into their number. Did you know that the, the Bridge Church has been given influence in our community, in our city, in our county? Did you know that? God has given us influence, and that means he is sending people to our churches. He's sending people to the Bridge Goldsboro. And get this, he is entrusting people. He's entrusting us to receive the people that he sends. So when you look around and you see the people around here, it's not that we're just so great. It's that God is entrusting our church to send people here, to get connected, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at what point do we say, okay, God, that's enough. Don't send anymore. We're, we can't fit anymore. We're done. We like our church the size that it is. I don't want to tell them that. Do you want to tell them that? Yes? No? Maybe? I don't think any of us want to say that. God has given us influence. So in order to be responsible with the growth that God gives us, we have to actually prepare ourselves structurally and with our hearts to receive what it is that God's going to give us in growth. That means we have to have a plan. And in that plan, each person in this church, raise your hand and say, I'm included in that. Each person has a part. Every single person in this church has a part. This church is not Pastor Ryan. This church is not the worship arts team or just a few people that have some influence and leadership. This church is us together as we move forward. And so we got to be more than spectators. We have to say, God, I want to prepare myself to do my part to, to bring this church into the place that you want it to be, to prepare ourselves and do my part to be able to handle what it is that you want to bring us. And that's something that we do together. Can somebody say amen? When we do that, that's the main way that we make God the center and that we make church a priority in our, in our priorities. That's the way we do it. This, the, this church, the Bridge Church, it's at a historical pivot point. Historical pivot point. We, we are at a place where we are positioning ourselves as a whole to respond to God's call and reach more people for Jesus, probably more than we ever have as a church. And I just want to say this, without the sacrifices of leaders and with volunteers that have gone before probably any of us, maybe some of us are in the room now and have been an integral part of that throughout the years, without them, we wouldn't be where we are. We're not starting something new. We're merely standing on the foundation that other people, other leaders who have, who have shed tears, who have cried, who have sacrificed, have gone before and laid. So Pastor Farrell, everybody knows who he is. He's, a, he's, a, he's something around here, isn't he? He's, he, he, he sacrificed himself along with many other leaders and volunteers. And as we go forward, we're standing on the platform that they built. And God is getting ready for a new season of growth and a new season of blessing in our church. And every person or group of people that step to the edge of a season like we're getting ready to go into, they do one of two things. They either step out in faith or they step back in fear. Every time. You have that decision in your life whenever you're getting ready to go into a new season. Maybe you're getting ready to start a new job or, or you're getting ready to have a baby and you, you're kind of on the fence about what to do. I'm just being real today. Or, or maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're starting something. Maybe God is calling you to do something. He's asking you to take financial resources and, and shift them over to a place maybe you never thought you would do. And you have a choice. You have a choice to either step out in faith and say, God, I believe what you're telling me. Or you, you draw back in fear and say, I'm more comfortable right here. Therefore, we completely uh, render God's hands useless because we built up walls around ourselves and said, we don't have the courage or the faith to do it. But we have that choice, too, as a church. And I want to talk for a few minutes about a group of people in the Bible. Pastor Gage actually talked about them a minute ago. They faced a similar circumstance. They were on the edge of a new season that God wanted to bring them into. They, they were actually millions of people. This nation called Israel had come out of slavery. 
in Egypt, and God had this promised land that he said he was going to give them. And there were all these different people that were in the land, and, and God said, I want you to go in and take the land. They had their decision a long time ago, the people in the land, to either follow God or not. It's in the Bible. They decided to neglect God. And so God said, I'm going I'm to drive these people out, and I'm going to give you the promised land. Here's the problem. They were a lot bigger. They were a lot stronger. They were faster. They were more in number than the children of Israel, God's chosen people. And they find themselves at this, at this place, this edge of this river called the Jordan River. And the promised land was just on the other side of the Jordan River. They were on the edge of a new season. And when they found themselves at this pivot point, what did they do? What did they do to embrace God's promise? What did they do? What, what can we take away from the story as we go into our new season here? And I'm going to take some time to talk about this, what we can pull from it. And then at the end, I'm going to talk about where we're going as a church, the church as a whole, and where we're going as a church right here at Goldsboro. So they find themselves at this pivot point. They did three things I want to bring out. The first thing is they committed to trust God's leaders. They committed to trust God's leaders. Everything rises and falls with leaders. Everything rises and falls with leaders. Joshua chapter 3, it says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan River where they camped out before crossing over. And they stayed there three days. The officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that was the, the box they built that represented and actually manifested the presence of God with them. That was, that's how God manifested his presence in the day. And they said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. What, when you're at a pivot point, you trust the people that God has put in place to lead. Is that easy? Can we just be real? No, it's not. Because those leaders are connected to God and they're saying things to the people sometimes that don't make any sense. That, I don't know how we're going to do that. Josh, Joshua and, and these people, they, he, they were telling the people, we're going to go into this land. We're going to go into this river. Okay, now the river's at flood stage. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And we're just going to march into this river and cross it. Is it easy to follow the leader's instructions sometimes, the people that God has in place? No. The reason is because God will always, always, always put a passion, a vision in the heart of the leaders. And whenever they begin to speak it to the people, it takes faith. And faith means moving before I see the results. Have you ever had to do that? There was a, a game at this camp that used to be played for this youth camp. And what they would do is they would get in this wooded area. And they would blindfold somebody, actually a group of people, and they had to make their way through this wooded area. Trees, logs, tipped over, everything. And the only way that these people that were blindfolded, these kids, uh, the only way they could get across was by listening to the, the directions from the leader behind them. So each kid was, they, they had a leader assigned to them. And it was, it was very difficult because they were blindfolded. It took tremendous courage to follow the directions of somebody whenever you can't see anything <laughs> that's going on. And, and some kids, they just like, they, they trotted along very cautiously. They, they kind of listened, but they, they didn't know what they were doing. Other kids, they, they busted out of there like gangbusters, man. They, they just, as fast as they could, and hit trees and fell over. It was kind of funny. Uh, but anyway, they, they, and then there were some who were just paralyzed by fear. They, they didn't know what to do. They couldn't see. They didn't trust the leader's directions whatsoever. They were paralyzed by fear. They drew back. Do you know the ones who won the game over and over and over and over? It was the ones who went along steadily and listened intently to the ones who were leading, trusting the voice of the leader. They weren't always the ones that were moving the fastest, but they were the ones who succeeded. How do you get to the place where you trust God's leaders, the ones that he put in place? Well, I want to talk about a couple of characteristics of leaders that we find in Exodus 18. We see godly leaders that you can trust, and these are, these are the characteristics of godly leaders. Number one, they're capable. They're just capable. They're competent. They know what they're doing. They're good at their craft, and they've allowed God to lead them and grow them. They're available, and they're teachable. They're competent, capable leaders. Two, they fear God. They have this reverential awe for who God is in their own lives and in the lives of other people. They don't have this attitude that says, I've got it all together just because I'm good at a certain thing. They, they have this attitude that says, everything I have is because of God. And as I lead and follow him, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. They fear God. Thirdly, they're trustworthy. They don't go around demanding that people follow them. But they say, you know what? 
I know, I understand as a leader, I have to earn trust. I'm going to earn followers, so I'm going to set an example. Then I want you to follow me as I lead. They're trustworthy. Fourthly, they hate dishonest gain. They hate it. They, they, ha- they don't have any hidden agenda. They don't have wrong motives. They simply want to follow Jesus. They, they, they're not in it to get something inappropriate or, or get something just for themselves. No hidden agendas. Any gain they have, they, they want it to be a byproduct of the team that does it together because God brings success. The, the word says that God blessed what David put his hand to, and that's what leaders want to do. They want to put their hands to something, a, a task, a godly task, and let the team celebrate success because of what God does through them. They hate dishonest gain. Their job in this day and age was to serve faithfully. The nation's job was to follow them with their whole heart. And that's how we know. They, they learned and they committed to trust God's leaders, this group of people on the edge of the Jordan River getting ready to cross over. A lot of them were scared, but God put leaders in place that had these characteristics. And when they spoke out, the people followed. They trusted. Secondly, they did this. They focused on God and not the circumstances. It was easy to focus on the circumstances. The river's here at flood stage, and they're saying, hey, we're going to cross this thing. And they're going, how? I would rather you show me how before I say yes. But they didn't do that. They said, I want you to focus on God. Verse 5 says, before they crossed over the river, Their leader, Joshua, said, listen, I want you to consecrate yourself to God right now. Everybody here, I want you to just pour your heart out to God, make yourself holy unto God. He could have told them to do all kinds of things. He could have said, listen, I want you to get your floaties ready. You know, I want you to get your inflatable alligators. I don't care how embarrassing it is. It's going to be tough. I want to make sure. Who knows how to swim? All right, all the swimmers at the front. You know, this battle we're going to fight. All right, who's young? Who can fight? He didn't do any of that. He didn't focus on the circumstances. He focused on God. Therefore, he led his people to focus on God, who was actually going to be the one that brought the victory in the first place. How many times in our lives do we see this, we, we see this difficult task ahead, and we begin solely to focus on the circumstances, only to fill ourselves full of fear and draw back? They didn't do that. We're in a season right here at the bridge, and we have to focus on God first and not our circumstances. Not what it looks like, not what the city says, not necessarily what people around us are saying, but what has God called us to do? Are we focusing on that? Or are we going to let fear pull itself, pull us, get us all messed up and render us useless? He said, I want you to consecrate yourself to God. God wants to do amazing things, but we got to be ready when he calls or we're not going to be able to be a part of it. And it was the same thing in Joshua's time. It's not so easy to focus just simply on God. But he said it was at flood stage. <laughs> you got to focus on God. When the circumstances are the heaviest, focus on God. There was a million plus people in that number. They were a nation and a half. They had families. They had kids. They had all their livestock, which, by the way, that was money back then. That's how they earned. That's how they lived. They had all that. And now you're saying you want me to go into this river that's at flood stage and cross it? He said, I want you to focus on God. He's the one that said do it. And, and, and in our lives, and probably in this too, when, when the circumstances are the heaviest, that's when Satan tries to get in there and play his little games. And he'll, he'll play on you, man. He'll, he'll introduce fatigue. And they were probably thinking, this is too hard. This is taking too long. We've just wandered around in the desert for 40 years, and now this. When is God going to do something? It's, it's longer than I thought. The river's too deep. It's too wide. There's no way. We're tired. Fatigue. Maybe he's doing that in your life. Maybe it's fear. And they were saying, you know what? There's no way we're going to be able to cross this thing. We're going to drown. I can see the current. I, I, I can see how deep it is, the things at flood stage. And in our lives, we have things that feel like this. My situation is going to drown me, and we focus on it. And Satan is just like, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I introduce, keep introducing fear to you. He doesn't, you don't put your focus on him. He puts your focus on the thing. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's, maybe it's failure. Maybe they were saying, you know what? We're going to fail if we try this. We failed in the past. You know, who are you to lead us into this? Who, who are we? We're, we're not strong enough. We don't have what it takes. What is this church that we should do these things that God is calling us to do? Who are we? Joshua did two things. In verse 12, he said, Now then, he said, Choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel. One from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as they set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream are going to be cut off and stand up in a heap. Notice how God didn't say, listen, I want you to just come to the edge and I want you to stand there. Watch me do it. And then I want you to walk across. 
He said, choose 12 people and have them put their feet in the water. Before he ever did the first thing, before they ever started moving, somebody had to get their feet wet and put their feet in the water in faith. That water was probably nasty. Our situations in our lives are disgusting. They hurt. They're painful. And God says, I want you to step out in it because I've called you to it. I want you to face it head on. I don't want fatigue to draw you back. I don't want you to, to draw back in fear. I don't want you to be confused by failure in your past. It's not about your past. It's about what I'm going to do in your life right now. He's saying, don't be scared to get your feet wet, even when you don't see me doing anything just yet. You step out, you get your feet wet, you get your feet dirty, and watch me move. He said, when they put their feet in the water, I'm going to do a miracle in your life. And as this church moves forward, I'm telling you, we're going to make some asks around here. We're going to say some things, and you're going to hear me say some things in a minute. And it's not just for me, it's for us all. We are the church. As we make the church a priority in our lives, we, we, we say, God, we want you to, to keep entrusting us to carry out your work. And long before he ever proves himself, he says, I want you to step out in faith. Joshua put leaders in position to go first. They went first. They, they had faith first. They put the work in first. They stepped in the river first. And at the Bridge Goldsboro, we have a team of leaders that have gone first. And I want to introduce you to them. So if our senior leadership team could come up. These are the men and women who have gone first right here at the Bridge Goldsboro. These are the men and women who have been praying and fasting for months. These are the men and women who have heard from God. We've heard Pastor Jim's voice, who is the senior pastor over the bridge as a whole, and who has spoken into senior leaders at each location. And we have completely embraced the vision of where God's leading us. There's been conversations. There's been tears. There have been difficult meetings. There have been brain freezes. And there's still some of that <laughs> as we're going forward. But I want to introduce you to them. This is the senior leadership team just for the Bridge Goldsboro. We begin to understand that we, we can't just have a senior leadership team in Princeton because each location has to grow. Each location has to, has to have something, leaders in place, just like the Bible example says. And these are, this is the group of men and women who are going first. This is Jennifer Heatley. She is our Bridge Kids director, everything from the nursery all the way through elementary school. We have one person that's going to focus on that right here at the Bridge Goldsboro. We have Mr. Heat Heatley. His first name is actually Carlton, but you don't know that. I didn't say that right now. His name is Heat because he has these guns right here. Come on, show him the thunder and lightning. That's the Heat. <laughs> he is our connections director, and I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. But we want to have somebody specifically that takes first-time guests that come in here, which, by the way, there's a lot of them that come in here, and introduce them and, and let them introduce them the next steps all the way along so we can close the back door. We want to make sure that people are connected here and are a part of a thriving church, not just come and sit in the pews and leave. So we have a person to do that. Then we have Brooke Martin, who has been here for a long time. Her husband, James, serves in Princeton, but she is our, our student director and doing a, a knockout job already, simply focusing on students, middle school and high school. And she's our, our student director. Then we have Cassie Sanders. You see a lot of her around here. Uh, very talented, awesome woman. She is our admin and operations director. And I'm not even going to get into what all she does because it's, a lot of it's over my head. Uh, but she simply focuses on administration and operations right here at Goldsboro. And then we have Mr. Gage Havery, who you know so well. He does an awesome job right here leading the media team, leading the worship arts uh, team. He's got a, a big downflow of leaders and people in place that make, make this service that you see and hear run smoothly. This is the senior leadership team of the Bridge Goldsboro. Can we just say thank you and give them a hand? And what I want to do is I just want to take a second right here in the middle of this service and pray over this team. Because as we go forward, these are the leaders who have prayed first. These are the leaders who have had faith first. These are the leaders who have stepped out into that river of our circumstances and says, God, we're, we're waiting for a mighty move and are going to lead you as we go forward. Can, we just, can you stretch out your hand? This is just symbolic saying, God, we just, we just cover these leaders in prayer. God, we thank you, Lord, for, for Jennifer and for Heat, Lord, and for Brooke and for Cassie. Lord, and for Gage. God, we thank you for their lives. We thank you for their hearts. I thank you for the leadership, giftings, and abilities in them. Lord, for the craft that each of them have that they bring to the table. Lord, I pray for your anointing. God, it's not enough just for, just for it to be talent. We can't ever do anything eternal just with talent. 
Lord, as, as Jabez said, give us opportunities to, to serve you greater. And then this is the good part. Oh, that your hand would be with us. Because if we don't have your hand with us, God, we're, all we're going to do is, is make a big bang, and then that's going to be it, like a flash in the pan here one day and gone the next. We don't want that. So I, I just pray for the anointing, God, that everything they do, everything they say, the influence in their lives, God, will just explode. Lord, make them mighty men and women. God, that when they lead, Lord, they are, they are like those characteristics we just talked about. Lord, so that people follow and this church becomes something great and mighty in your kingdom and in this city and in this community and in this county. God, so that we might make your name great. And I know it starts with leaders, God. So we all pray this in the name of Jesus. Can we say amen? Amen. Come on, give these leaders a hand. Joshua put leaders in position. We put leaders in position. Second thing he did was he drew their focus to God. In this case, he said, I want you to focus on the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to focus on God's presence that's going out into that river. Then he reminded them. He said, God is going to be the one that does all this stuff. God is going to be the one that provides. Uh, I want you to remember, folks. He said, I want you to remember the, the miracles that God did in the past. I want you to remember how he brought you out of Egypt. I want you to remember how he parted the Red Sea. I want you to remember everything he did so that when you face enemies in the future, when obstacles come along, come on, church, when, when, you know that Satan hates the fact that this church is growing. He is going to present obstacles. And when we face those obstacles, God's saying the same thing to us that he said to them. Remember what I've already done for you so that you don't fall back in fear now, but that you take that same faith that you had before and you say, God has already provided. I know he's going to do it now. He said, I want you to, to remember that. It's the God who provided before, it's the God who will provide now, and it's the God who always goes before us and provides for us as we get there in the future. It required a third step. The people trusted God's leaders, the people focused on God. But here, listen, they, they were still on the, on the west side of the bank of the river. They were still sitting there. They still had to get across the thing. They still had to do the third thing, that's this. They still had to step out in faith. It's, it's one thing to talk about it. We can talk up a good game, can't we? You ever go on a diet? You tell everybody about it? You feel like you've lost five pounds just by writing all your stuff down, don't you? But then the day comes where you actually have to start, <laughs> and that's difficult. It takes faith, and these folks were the same way. They actually had to step out. Look at verse 10 in Joshua 3. He says, this is how you know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out these people. Remember the people that was in the land that I told you God was going to drive out? He said he's going to drive them out. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Some of you caught a Jebusite this past winter, didn't you? Sounds like a bunch of diseases, don't it? He said, I'm going to drive them out. Every time these people were on the edge of a miracle, listen, every time they had a history of failing, not because God couldn't do it, but because they drew back in fear. Every single time, they had a history of it. They, there was this obstacle, and instead of looking to God, these people would fall prey to fatigue and fear and failure every single time. And Joshua was saying, listen, here we are at the edge of a new season. Here we are with some new obstacles, but God is going to come through. He's going to do a miracle. In this case, he's saying, I'm going to stop up a river, so I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous. And when you face enemies along the way, I want you to remember what God did. So there they are. They're on the edge of this river. They're focused on God. The leaders are leading the way. And let's look at what happened in verse 15. He said, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark, as soon as they reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, remember, their feet touched the edge long before God did the miracle, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zitharon. While the water flowing down to the Red Sea of Arabah, that's the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. And so the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. Remember, Jericho was the first place they came to, and they had to march around the walls. Before that ever happened, he said, I want you to cross this river to get over there. I want you to get the picture here. The leader sent the word out. Here we go. When you see the priest, the leaders are talking to him. When you see the priest carry the ark and they start towards the river, you got to get moving too. He, and and they, they begin to follow. And you can just hear Joshua saying, listen, I love you. I'm, I'm leading you. I'm not saying I'm perfect. He's saying, but God has said it's time to move. And I believe it with my whole heart. And the leaders are, are all in. I know it looks difficult. I know it looks scary. But God has already gone before us to prepare the way. It's his vision, not mine. God said it, and so we're going to do it. 
Let's go. And then we watch what happens. And the rivers begin to stop up and they crossed over. Now, you might be sitting here today and you're like, that sounds like a great story. The Bible's great and everything, but I, I don't think giant rivers actually just stop like that. Look, I, I know, we all thought it at one time or another. Did that really happen or is this just make a great story? Listen, aren't you glad that God is a God that does things that can't be done by human standards? <laughs> He's in the business of doing that. In fact, Jesus was confronted with a question similar to this. And in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 in the New Testament, he just said very plainly, listen, humanly speaking, it's, yeah, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Can you just speak that over your own life right now? Look, the things that I'm facing, the hurt that I have, the, the, the retirement plans that aren't exactly in place yet, the, my, my, my kids who haven't come to Christ yet. Humanly speaking, it's impossible for things to happen. But with God, all things are possible. And that's what they were saying. And that's what I'm telling you. We're going to hang our hopes and our faith on Jesus' words. Problem is, sometimes we wait for God to do the miracle before we ever step in the river and get our feet wet. And we say, God, I'm, I got to see it first. <laughs> I got to see it. I, it's too big. It's, it's too, I can't. I just, I need you to give me a sign. You ever see that? Lord, if somebody says this right now, then I'll do it. God, give me a sign. Come on, give me a sign. Remember Ace of Base a long time ago? I saw the sign, and it opened up my eyes. Some of you remember that, some 90s kids, 80s kids. It's, it's not that. We can't have Ace of Base faith. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. We, we got to say, God, we're going to do it. But the problem is sometimes we, we try to let God give us a sign first, but God is waiting for us. He's saying, listen, I want you to trust the leaders that I put in place, I want you to focus on me, God is saying. Focus on me. Don't focus on the circumstances. And then he's saying, now I want you to step out in faith. That's what he's saying to us today. The ushers are going to pass these out. This is where we're going in 2018 as a church. They're going to pass these out right now. Um, and as they come, take it, pass it down. And we're, we're going to go through this. We're going to talk about this really, uh, really plainly and very practically where we're going And I want you to know, this isn't something that we're just doing here. This is the Bridge Church, if you didn't know, is one church with three locations, at least in North Carolina. We have a fourth location in Belize. Um, but there's three locations in North Carolina in this, this vicinity. We have the Bridge Princeton, we have the Bridge Mount Olive, and we have the Bridge Goldsboro. We are one church connected, not only in faith, but we're connected as a church, very practically. Um, but we each have a location, and we each want to stand on our own two feet. Uh, for the longest time, um, the Bridge Princeton kind of fed the other locations. And part of this vision and part of where we're going is we want to be able to stand on our own two feet, every location, so that we give the, the biggest impact and, the, and we set up the biggest structure to be able to grow. And how many of you know, if you have adult kids living at home, you're stifling their growth? <laughs> Some of you just got real depressed when I said that right then. If you're one of those kids in here, get yourself together and move out. <laughs> you're welcome. Your parents can pay me later. You stifle the growth when, whenever you stay at home too long. And that's kind of the idea. Uh, it's not the philosophy we're using, but it's kind of the idea. We want to be a church. Mount Olive wants to be a church that's able to stand on its own two feet. We are not separating ourselves. We are still the bridge under the umbrella and the accountability of the bridge. But we want every location to be able to stand up on its own two feet financially, spiritually, connected, obviously, with accountability uh, to our leaders. But we want to be able to stand on our own two feet, and that's the only way that we're going to be able to have the biggest impact in terms of growth. So these goals have come from Pastor Jim, our senior leader, that the executive team, which is all the, the leaders of each location, um, have adopted, have embraced. We've prayed together. We've fasted together. Um, and so we, we want to be able to grow. So we've broken it down into four uh, four categories, this being our vision, belong, commit, grow, and serve. And that's what we want everyone to, to get to when, as we take them through uh, a life in Jesus Christ and on their journey. We want people to belong. And so in that, um, we are going to create a connections department this year in 2018, which means that Heat Carlton, you're welcome, uh, is going to be our connections director. Do you know that we had 94 first-time guests come through the Bridge Goldsboro in the last four months? Everybody say, whoa, 94. We, we want, we, a lot of them stayed, a lot of them didn't. 
So what does that mean? That means we have to do our part in making sure that every person that comes through these doors has the opportunity to be connected, that has the opportunity to be invited, that has the opportunity to understand what it is that this church offers. They have to be introduced to next steps. So our connections department is going to do just that. And it's, we, we're putting resources into that. We're putting time into that. We're putting people resources into that to be able to make sure that happens. Um, they're going to be intentional. The church as a whole uh, are going to average 1,800 people because of these connections department. That's our, that's our goal in 2018. 1,800 people in 2018 across all our locations. We want to see God bring that many people here and stay and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because of what we're doing with this connections department and connecting people. Um, right here at the Bridge Goldsboro, we averaged 273 people last year. In November and December, we averaged over 300. Okay? You know what that means? That means it's tight in here. And I know a lot of you, all of you, have said, maybe we need to go to another church because it's too tight. Don't do that. We, we understand what's happening, and part of uh, preparing ourselves for growth is understanding that we cannot keep cramming people in here and having overflow every single Sunday in there because statistics say that when you get 75% capacity in an auditorium, you got to start looking at doing something so that you can make more space. How many of you can just say right now, it's tight in here? No one wants to say it because you don't want to hurt the feelings of the person beside you. Got somebody nodding their head. Go ahead and say it. It's tight in here. It's tight. Some of you didn't brush your teeth this morning. The person next to you knows, okay? Just <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's tight. In our room right here, 75% means 118 people. We have over that every single week. And so what we're going to do in the very near future is we're going to start two services on Sunday morning. And it's going to be a 9 o'clock and it's going to be 11 o'clock. And we are still working through the details. Uh, we're still talking to our leaders. We're still talking through details with our senior leadership. Um, and we are going to do this. It's going to come in the near future. It's a reality. If we don't, then we're going to have to hang a no vacancy sign on the door. Our ushers do an awesome job when the service starts at trying to seat people. And if I can get an amen from them back there, it's difficult. It's difficult. We've tried everything. If you notice, we're kind of, we're kind of leaving the back row uh, reserved for our students because we know that they leave after the first song or so. And so that, that leaves that back row open so that we can seat more guests whenever they come in. We're doing little strategic things like that. But, and we, we've been working. We've been, we've been strategizing. But we know two services is inevitable. And I just got to say, I'm happy that God is entrusting people to this church till we have the so-called problem of having to go to two services. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Maybe we'll end up going to three later. I don't know. But we had 273 people average last year, over 300 average in November and December, and 94 first-time guests in the last four months. God is entrusting us, and we have to do our part. We want to see an average of 375 people this year right here at the Bridge Goldsboro. Now, listen, you, you, I get it. You might be thinking, man, this guy's just focused on numbers. Let me hear me say this really loud. No one, and I mean no one from the top all the way to the bottom, is primarily focused on numbers. I could care less about having a big church if God's not here with us. I, I couldn't. But God has given us influence in this community, and every single person that comes through these doors, every so-called number represents a soul. And every single soul represents an eternity that's going to be one place or the other. And therefore, because God is entrusting this amount of people to us right here at the Bridge Goldsboro, then numbers will always be a metric that we measure. It's not going to be the main metric. It's not going to be the only thing we look at. But it will be something that we measure because you can't manage what you don't measure. And if we want God to continue to entrust growth of this church, then we have to do our part on a very strategic level to ensure that we have the, the capacity to hold the growth. Every number represents a soul. Listen to me. And every soul represents an eternity. That is at the forefront of our minds when we talk about numbers. And so we're saying in faith, God, we're stepping out in that Jordan River. We don't see it yet, but we're stepping out. We want to see 375 people come into this room average next, this year to be able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be able to have the opportunity to take next steps, whether it's baptism or ownership, to be able to have the opportunity to connect to people, to connect to relationships. I've had so many emails that have said, Pastor Ryan, I, I want to get involved in a small group. I, services are good, but I want to get connected. What we are doing, uh, we're working overtime to make sure that we have groups available coming up. They're going to be rolling out here in the next few months so that you can get involved in a group, a smaller group of people that you can connect with. 
that the whole point behind that is Jesus ministered to thousands of people, but he discipled 12 because that's where church really happens. That's where you can open up. And so we're, we're doing a lot to be able to facilitate the growth that God is bringing here. 375 people, that's our goal right here. We want to commit. We want to see people give their lives to Jesus, not just show up. The last four months, we had 17 people right here at Goldsboro give their lives to Jesus. Here are two amens. That's the, <laughs> that's the whole reason why we're here, folks. Did you know that? Can we just give God a hand? That's 17 people whose lives are changed. In the last four months, we've baptized many of them. We had two this morning. You saw on the screens. We had two at the YMCA uh, last week that we baptized. They're, they're saying yes to Jesus Christ. And our goal right here at the bridge is to have 80-plus people get saved, give their lives to Jesus Christ right here at Goldsboro this year. Imagine dads when they say yes to Jesus, what that home looks like, what it feels like. Imagine moms and, and husbands and wives working together now because they're both on the same page because they said yes to Jesus. And what that looks like for kids who are watching a godly marriage and what it means to have a mom and a dad in the home. I, I know there's blended families all over this room, and I'm just going to be honest. My family is, is split up right now. I, I'm a single dad in the context of my home. So I, I get it. Some of you are there. But just imagine what would happen if moms and dads said yes. They said yes to Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. 80 plus people, that's our goal. And we're going to step out in faith and we're going to say, God, and we put the plus in there because I'm not limiting God. I hope it's 280. <laughs> I really do. And we're going to work hard to, to, to reach that goal as a team and as a church. We want to see 80 more of that. Uh, last year, 275 people across all the locations of the bridge said yes to Jesus. And the goal this year is to have 365 people across all the locations say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. And we want to see 80 of those happen right here or more, right here at Goldsboro. We want to integrate our calendar. So, so that way there's in between services and small groups and major events, there's continuity. One of the biggest things that happens as a church gets bigger is events take, uh, they begin competing over resources and competing over time. And we're doing a lot to streamline that. So our groups and events and services that they don't compete with time or money. And the result is we have a calendar that actually takes us all as a church and moves us forward together uh, in unity, not separated. So that's what we want to do with our calendar. It's going to make a big difference. You don't have to get involved in all the strategy of that, but you'll feel the continuity as a congregation as we go forward. You'll feel that. We want to grow. Right here at the Bridge Goldsboro, we're developing a Christian maturity growth process. Now, what that means in layman's terms is it's exciting to see new people give their lives to Jesus, but that means we have a lot of Christians around here that need to grow, and that's, that's good. And we want to be a church that doesn't just say, thank you for stepping Christ, now go do, the best, go do the best you can. We want to offer them classes and resources and, and partner them with people that say, hey, I'm a little bit further along in, in this thing called Christianity, and I want to offer you some help. I want to answer some questions. I want to go with you as a church. And that's, that's what we want to do. We're, we're doing that. And that means we have to make sure that there's things in place. So we're doing that. We're also establishing a leader training process. Everything rises and falls with leadership. That's not a Pastor Ryan saying. That's a biblical saying. Everything rises and falls with, with leadership. And so we're already working on small group leadership, uh, but we're also working on ministry leader uh, training. And so that you can be a part of that. Um, we want to add an additional church location this year. Now, we don't want you to all to leave here and go there. <laughs> that was a joke. Say, so, yeah, it's funny. But we want to add, add another church location to the bridge. And we're looking west right now, which represents west of Princeton, which represents 400,000 people, half of which, according to statistics, have never darkened the doors of a church. And we're looking to do that. Did you know that God knew that the bypass would come right through our area a long time ago? Did you know that, that God knew that the transition of our church would be uh, in this last year and begin opening doors for this to happen? As a whole, the Bridge Church has a goal to add another location in 2018. We want to serve. We're going to kind of move through this. We're building a team of leadership development trainers. I believe right now, I know it to be true, all across our locations, but right here, there are people who are high-capacity leaders sitting in this room. There are people in the military who have leadership training. There are people in the business world who have leadership training. Uh, maybe it's an education. The sky's the limit, but there are high-capacity leaders right here, and we want to be able to provide a place and a church setting where you have the opportunity to lead because we ha the, the Bible says the harvest is plenty, meaning there are lots of people that are coming to Christ, but the laborers are few. 
And so we want to give you an opportunity to lead, and we want to create a, a culture for servant leadership. Not people who are bosses, but that people who, who see tasks as a mean to develop, to develop people. Not tasks as a mean to go out and, and do everything we can by ourselves, but we leaders that look at a task, and we want to develop people to be able to do them. That's ringing in some of your hearts right now. And guess what? I'm done with that, but we all have a part. We all have a part. I want you to look to somebody. We're, we're closing it down and say, we, I have a part. Say it. Come on, let's own it. I know that was a loud piano bang, but it's okay. Say, I've got a part. You have a part. I have a part. We all have a part. Quick story, and I'm ending. 1988. There's this town called Bruno, Nebraska that's celebrating 100 years as a town. And there's this couple, Herman and Donna Ostry, and they have this barn on their property. It was built late in the 20s, 1920s. And it's this, it's this landmark for the town, this historic landmark. And the barn kept getting flooded, this huge barn. And they knew they needed to move it to higher ground, but they didn't have the money. They didn't have the resources. And they knew that if they didn't move this barn, then it was going to be trashed. This thing that was so precious and so priceless, it was going to end up having to be tore down because of the damage of the flood. And so what they decided to do was something that seemed absolutely crazy. They were on the edge of this season, and they, they decided they were going to step out in faith. And they got 344 neighbors to come over and lift this barn up and pick it up and move it. And <laughs> that sounded nuts. It sounded so crazy that it got the attention of the media, which it spread like wildfire. Back then, they didn't have the Internet, so there was a lot of people doing word of mouth in newspapers. <laughs> but it attracted 4,000 people that came to watch this thing. They just came to watch. And many of them thought it would fail. It was, the word was that they, they've actually come to watch the thing crash. Doesn't that sound horrible? <laughs> There's a lot of people in this community that have kind of a, a target on the bridge's name. They, wanna, they want to defame us. They want to say things about the Bridge Church. It's, it's a growing church, so it must be doing something wrong. They, they want to defame you. They, they want to defame me. They don't care. They want to see it fail. They wanted to see this barn crash. It was interesting. They, they were actually saw people handling money in the crowd of this 4,000-member crowd actually taking bets on when this thing was going to crash. Maybe not everybody, but it was happening. It was happening. And so 344 people took hold of makeshift handles that they built into this barn, and they began to lift it on the count of three. Get this. This thing weighed 10 tons. You can ask Siri later, but I'll tell you now. That's 20,000 pounds. And they picked it up on the count of three, and the thing lifted up in the air. Everyone was shocked. Everyone began to cheer. You can actually look this up. They turned the thing, and they moved it the 115 feet, and they sat it down. This amazing miracle of a feat. And this is a beautiful illustration of our church. That There's this task ahead of us that we absolutely cannot do without the power of God. That there's so many people around us, so many people that we have influence in, so many people that are looking at you, they're looking at me, they're looking at the Bridge Church as a whole, and they're saying there's no way that they're going to be able to do what God's called them to do. It's too big. And when each person took a hold of this handle that was right in front of them, they didn't do the other person's part, they didn't do the part of the person behind them, they just did theirs, of this 20,000-pound barn, not one person lifted over 55 pounds. And they did it together. They did it. And our goal is not to burn you out. Our goal is not for you to do somebody else's part or, or, or somebody else's part over here. Our goal is to just simply ask you to come to your part. Maybe you have leadership giftings and you're saying, Pastor Ryan, you know, I, I'd love to find out more about what it's going to take to lead at the bridge. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, I don't know what I'm good at. But I just want to present myself and say, I want to be a part of that. Show me how. We will show you how. There's so many opportunities to serve here. Some are out front, some are behind the scenes where no one ever has to see you. Everything in between. All we want you to do is take up your part. Maybe your part's prayer. Maybe you're passionate about prayer. You know that God answers prayer? He's passionate about prayer. And if you have a passion and a heart and a calling to pray, then you have one of the most significant roles that there are here at the bridge in terms of accomplishing this vision. Take hold of the handle. Help us. Pick it up. You won't lift any more, anybody's part but yours. And they picked up that thing and, and they moved it. And here's the thing, they accomplished it. And 4,000 people surrounding that place, 4,000, they all came in lawn chairs, they're watching. 
Some of them wanted it to crash. Others didn't know what was going to happen. But the success of what they did together influenced the whole entire crowd. And I don't know how many people's watching the Bridge Church. I know there's thousands of people surrounding us that are watching us to see what's going to happen. And just like it influenced those thousands of people for the glory of that barn, this church, when we do it together, is going to, is going to influence this whole entire community, thousands of people for the glory of Jesus Christ because God is working in us, God is working through us, and we're each doing our part, and God is going to move in us. If you believe that and if you're willing to do your part, can you stand to your feet? We're going to pray together. This is what I want to do as we leave. If you feel comfortable doing this, and if, if, if you're in, can you just lift your hands to him? All over this room, just lift your hands to him. This is the universal sign of surrender. And we, we have our prayer team coming up at the front here. If you want prayer for any needs in your life or anything that you may feel inhibits you from being a part of this, they're going to be up here right now. They're coming, and they're just available to pray with you. God, we love you. This is your church. This is not ours, and we can't do it without you. You see the hearts of every single person in this room. God, not only do you see the vision that we're trying to tackle here at the bridge because it's your vision, God, but you see the hearts and the pain of the people right here in the seasons of their own lives. And, Lord, before we can ever do anything as a church, Lord, we have to radically change the way we operate in our families. Fathers and mothers and husbands and wives and grandmothers and aunts and uncles and children and teens and students and, and everything in between. God, we surrender ourselves to you. The second priority is not the church. The second priority is the family. So I just, for a second, want to start there. We surrender ourselves to you. Show us how to be good fathers. Show us how to be good mothers. We give ourselves to you. Lord, and when our families are operating like they need to be, make us mighty tools in your bag that reaches this community. Lord, for your glory and for your purposes under the banner of the Bridge Church. God, let us partner with one another and, and take, up our, take up our handles, Father, and, and lift, lift up, God, well, only what you've called us to do. And as we do that, God, let us march forward. Let us get our feet wet and expecting the miracle that you're going to do in this church as I believe thousands of people are going to come to know you. Thousands of people are going to come to change their eternities. Thousands of people are going to have renewed life. Thousands of people are going to have restoration in their families, in their marriages. Thousands of people are going to look back at what used to be death and walk forward saying, I have life in Jesus Christ. God, if we don't have that, we don't want to do anything. But we're believing for that miracle, God, as we take up, Lord, our handles, we lift only what we can